Hello and welcome to The Stack. On today's show, I speak with Jess Ashlock, U.S. Editor and Deputy Global Editorial Director for Condé Nast Traveler. Plus, we welcome back Jeremy Leslie from Mac Culture to talk Mac Culture Live, and Monaco's Marie-Sophie Schwarzer reports from the Frankfurt Book Fair. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Let's start the show with one of my favorite titles, Condé Nast Traveler. They just published their new issue with the Reader Choice Awards, an insightful look at the travel industry as a whole. Oh, and of course, stories ranging from cool new restaurants in Paris to a spotlight in South Korea's Jolanandu. I spoke with Jess Ashlock, U.S. Editor and Deputy Global Editorial Director for Condé Nast Traveler. It is probably our most important issue in certain ways and, um, you know, a really helpful way for us to measure consumer sentiment, traveler sentiment and how it's evolving. And obviously it's evolving considerably because of the circumstances of the world right now. So when we did the RCAs in 2020, voting then took place just as you know, the pandemic was sweeping through the world. And so people were making decisions about travel that they had done, but they were in a, like newly in a position that they couldn't travel. And we saw that as very meaningful that like, you know, these were the the destinations and other travel providers that people were singling out from a perspective of of a place when they couldn't travel anymore. In 2021, the story is different happily uh, because it's the story of people's return to travel and they're making decisions about who they want to go to when the privilege of travel is given back to them. We added a few new categories this year, including luggage and car rentals and kind of diversified the, the categories that we already have. So we wound up with well over 100 uh, in all And uh, we had, you know, the interesting thing also I should add is that last year when people weren't traveling, we got more voters than ever, more than 700,000. And this year when things were better, but obviously still not ideal, we had um, we had 800,000 voters. So the appetite, the passion, the enthusiasm is there. It is undiminished. In fact, if anything, it is heightened by what we've all gone through. And uh, let's hope that 2022, we can break a million voters. That would make me very happy. Um, the one other thing that I will add is that we, we, added a, we had an add-on survey this year that um, asked people about their year in travel because it was so unusual and we wanted to kind of take people's temperature about how they felt about travel in this most unusual of times. And generally uh, what we learned, I mean, there were some things that we learned that we could have predicted like over 90% of respondents had travel plans that they had to change because of COVID. But the overall snapshot that we got about how people feel about travel is really positive and suggested that people actually just they're not afraid of travel. They want to travel even more than they did before. And in particular, you know, there's a lot of anxiety about cities as a result of COVID. And we heard that our the majority of our audience is more enthusiastic even than they were before COVID about taking a city vacation. And there were lots of other little tidbits like that that showed us that um, people are raring to go and travel is going to come back stronger than ever before. And it's also a fascinating insight about trends in the travel industry. I mean, even places that people want to go. I mean, we were talking because, you know, I'm doing this interview with you from Portugal, that Portugal got kind of the best country, which is 
you know, quite surprising as well. I wouldn't say you would have won like five years ago, for example, right? So that's where you start seeing some trends like this, uh, looking at this uh, survey. Yeah, and we certainly saw trends toward places that offer wide open spaces and in amongst our, um, our audience, uh, more domestic picks than years past. And we saw, like as an example of both of those things, um, places like Twin Farms, which is a venerable property in Vermont, um, and Caldera House in Wyoming, uh, nabbing top positions in the UK, places like Glen Eagles. But I will say also that, you know, there are certain, certain winners that are super strong year after year and that are always there. <laughs> and the pandemic didn't change that. And we saw um, Japan dominating the best city in the world with, with uh, the top three picks. And it's been Kyoto and Tokyo in the past. It was Tokyo this year, um, followed by Kyoto. Uh, we saw uh, Singapore Airlines continue their reign at the top of the airline categories, along with Changi at the top of the airport category. Hilton Head Island, going back to like domestic destinations that offer a lot of beautiful outdoors experiences. Uh, it was number one US island for the fifth year in a row, I think. So, you know, there's a lot of change, but also the really, really great things that people love deeply have stayed the same. And one thing I think I mentioned this before about Condonas Traveler, I think it's so important to have as well. I know you guys have a very, very big online presence as well, but I think the printed issue is so important because I feel a little bit overwhelmed when I'm looking for tips for a city that I'm going. And I look at so many websites and it can get a little bit confusing. And I think it's amazing having kind of almost like a guide as a magazine. So, so tell us about the importance of the, the printed travel title as well, including yours, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you feel that way about the print product and I couldn't agree more. Um, I think that, uh, you know, nothing gives you inspiration the way that turning the pages and looking at that beautiful immersive photography and reading those firsthand thoughtfully deeply reported experiential pieces gives you. And I, I think that uh, the way that people use the print magazine as opposed to the website reflects the different purposes of each. I think that the website, I think, is amazing and incredibly valuable, but it is more of um, a lean forward kind of experience to use that classic distinction. The print magazine is a lean back experience. You read it when you're on vacation, on the beach, on the plane, when you're relaxing in your, in your uh, living room, dreaming about where to go next. And the website certainly offers that as well, but it's also a lot more oriented towards making trip decisions and in certain cases, actually booking them. Um, something that we've been focusing on more than ever with the website and that we plan to going forward even more than we do now as we move towards the next global chapter of our, of our digital presence. But the print magazine, I think um, in a lot of ways, it's the purest distillation of our brand values and, and our identity. And, and when you read the magazine, if you encounter a big package or a big story, you can really know that we think that's really, really important and something that we really care about and we want you to take it to heart. And what's the collaboration like between the international editions as well? Because correct me, I think a few months ago it was quite an interesting edition where you, you know, you went to cities and and the locals gave, you know, anecdotes and advice for their country, being an interesting band, a nice restaurant. It was it, it was quite diverse. I quite enjoyed that issue as well. But tell us how you guys are collaborating with the British edition, the Indian one, among others. 
I'm so glad you enjoyed that issue. That was the World Made Local. We Everybody, yes, that's everybody what. this brand worked on it. The World Made Local is also, I should add, uh, the new tagline for the brand globally. So you'll be seeing it associated with Condé Nast Traveler in the future. The World Made Local was, there was kind of a dry run for it in 2020 uh, called Under One Sky, where that was more of a thematic alignment amongst our global editions, where we, it was a, kind of an expression of global solidarity through travel. The world made local with all of the locals and their recommendations was we developed the content together. We presented it out together all at the same time. It was conceived as let's ask locals all over the world to pitch our audience on why they should come visit their country. And that's, that's what it added up to. And, um, the world made local was a preview of coming attractions because we have been in the process of globalizing our talent worldwide, integrating our talent worldwide, and with the aim of putting out a more unified global product. And so we will be working on special projects like the world made local, as well as our franchise tent poles and our kind of big issue themes in tandem with our, with our colleagues in the UK and in India and in Italy and Spain, in the Middle East and in China. And the great thing internally about this over the last nine months has been getting to know my colleagues around the world better and finding out how much we share, what our common passions are and, and how aligned we are in terms of our values about you know, what it means to be a good traveler, what the trends are, what we, what our hopes for the world are. So um, I think readers can be very assured that the, uh, as we globally integrate, the brand values are going to remain pure. And I think um, in addition to that, readers will have more access to our global network than they ever have before, which is only a good thing in making trip decisions. Absolutely. And, and Jesse, just my final question, what's your next destination or, or something that you really want to go that you're feeling like it? Oh, for me personally? Yes. <laughs> uh, I'm going in on uh, Saturday to Yellowstone to um, do a quick little reporting trip, do some trekking and look for the wolves in Yellowstone. Um, so I'm very excited about that. My last couple of trips for work have been very business and they've been good, but they've been, you know, business trips to conferences in Miami and Las Vegas. So this Yellowstone trip is, is going to be great. I have a few more business trips planned and then I'm, um, I'm planning on going to Korea with my family in the springtime. Um, that's going to be, I will travel internationally before that, but that's going to be the next really big international trip. It's something that we've been, that we had to put off because of the pandemic. And, uh, my, uh, my wife and I took our daughter to uh, Korea when she was a uh, year and a half old and spent a lot of time with family there. And we promised we'd be back in five years and we weren't because of the pandemic, but we're going to try to make it back in six years. And Korea is amazing, the food, the people, the nature. And I am really looking forward to going back and spending more time in Seoul and exploring the rest of the country more with my kids and my wife. Thanks, Jess. And Condé Nast Traveler November issue is out now. And now I have the pleasure to say that the Frankfurter Buchmesse is back and with some excellent news for the world of publishing. Reporting from the event, which ends this Sunday, is Monaco's Dusseldorf correspondent, Marie-Sophie Schwarzer. Last year was an online-only event, so everyone was really, really excited to be back at the book fair in person. And um, 2,000 exhibitors from 80 countries have come together under the motto Reconnect, 
very fittingly, for the 73rd Frankfurter Buchmesse. And when I talked to Jürgen Bus, the director of the Frankfurter Buchmesse, he said he was really, really optimistic and described this era as the golden age of publishing. So he really is, <laughs> and they were very excited to just have everyone back together again, being able to have those person-in-person -person meetings because it really does make a difference. And in a talk that I listened to with Marcus Stolle, the CEO of Penguin Random House, he was also talking about how he thinks this is the best time for publishing. And Marie, how interesting. I love the quotes. So it must be a very good moment for the industry in general as well, because I mean, I'm so tired of people being negative about the publishing world because there's still so much opportunity there. Just look at what you've seen at, at Frankfurt Book Fair this year. You're absolutely right. And even though the pandemic at the beginning was quite a shock, the industry very quickly realized that they had a very stable business model and that they were going to be fine. And they actually had a really successful year and numbers went up. And according to a JFK survey, 25% of people picked up a book more frequently. So being home, being stuck at home was actually a positive thing for the publishing industry. And more people wanted to get away from screens and really pick up printed books and magazines. So in a talk with Marcos Dula, the CEO of Penguin Random House, he was saying that he thinks this is the best time in publishing since Gutenberg invented the printing press, which is a huge statement. And he said it's because you know, the industry has found a robust business model encompassing print and digital, and he pointed out that print remains at 80%, so it's still absolutely significant. And the audience is growing with the world population expanding, literacy rates going up, and the fact that books for children and young adults have been the fastest growing categories, so you're continually getting a bigger audience. And one of my favorite things about the Frankfurt Book Fair, every year they have a guest of honor. And it's quite an important position to be in. And I think it shows that although it's in Frankfurt, it's definitely not kind of a regional event. It's super global. And this year, tell us a bit more, who was the guest of honor this year? Yeah, this year's as well as last year's guest of honor is Canada. And next year it will be Spain. So for Canada, I spoke with Gillian Fizé, the executive director of Canada FBM 2020 and associate executive director, Jennifer Ann Ware. And they said in those first meetings when they started working in this project back in 2017, a really long time ago, when they were discussing what it means to be Canadian, they recognized it is such a diverse nation. And that's how the theme singular plurality was born. And it's the first hybrid virtual and physical pavilion in the history of the book fair. And the pavilion itself was designed by Gonzalo Soldi, and it represents the elements of Canada, from the water to the mountains to the plants and the horizon. And when you step inside, it's really dark and atmospheric, and you have jagged mountains that greet you, and you follow a red line that runs through the stand like a path through the landscape where virtual and physical elements play together and you cross an interactive river of letters listening to indigenous poetry and music specifically written and composed for the event so it's really really touching and there are lots of points where you can engage with different authors and different voices from Canada and there's 58 authors in total eight of which who have traveled to Germany and they cover topics ranging from language and culture to indigenous political and social issues and LGBTQ plus perspectives. 
And at the opening ceremony, which really was a highlight, the first Indigenous Governor General of Canada, Mary May Simon, gave a really emotional speech in which she talked about how her grandmother loved to tell her legends when she was growing up. And she said that she believes all our stories are in fact creation myths and how we need to nurture and protect our stories and our storytellers. And she also said that the power of stories is to bring us all together and to heal and to reconcile. And I think that is really, really powerful. And then of course, identity is a very big theme for Canada, but also for the fair as a whole. And Calgary-based Vivek Shraya, an award-winning trans writer and musician, filmmaker and artist, gave a really cool speech about how your true self is always evolving and how she wants to live in a world where this multiplicity is really valued. And the question of identity was picked up again by the Inuit author Michel Jean, who said that as people from First Nations were there from the start, he feels this multiplicity of Canada the plurality of the country that is united. Um, and it's, it's really, really fantastic. It's amazing. That's one of the things that it is changing in the publishing world in general, a more diverse range of voices, you know, publishing books. And I mean, you can only kind of add things to the, to the range of voice. I think that's super important. I think Canada is doing very well this year, right? Yeah, they really are. And when I talked to Jürgen Bus, the director of the Buchmesse, he also said that he sees the future of publishing, the future of the Buchmesse really as going into more translations, more diversity of voices, more platforms, more perspectives, and really using books to help us understand one another. Um, so that really picks up on what you just said. And at the end of the day, he was also saying that everyone is looking for unique stories, unique perspectives, whether it's streaming platforms or audiobooks. Um, there are so many new ways of telling stories now and getting a story across to people that really for the publishing industry, it's a really exciting time because you have Netflix fighting for rights for stories. And um, yeah, there's just um, such a plethora of ways to be able to transmit and communicate your life story. Thank you, Marie, and a reminder that the Frankfurter Buchmesse ends this Sunday. Finally on the show, a pleasure to welcome back Jeremy Leslie from Mac Culture. He was one of our guests in the Monaco Media Summit last week in London. You can hear the highlights from the stack last week, but this time Jeremy is focusing his attention on his very own yearly event, Mac Culture Live. He tells me more about the event taking place on the 4th of November at London's Conway Hall. Apart from anything else this year, we're looking, much as I'm finally back here in the studio and we're talking, well, this will be the first time for, for 24 months that we've managed to do a live event at the hall, at Conway Hall in London. So we're looking forward to just being together again with magazine makers and our audience. But then, of course, yeah, we look, we look back across the previous year, really, and see, in this case, almost two years, and sort of see what's been happening, what's of interest. And the one big thing that we've noted is there's been a huge influx of new titles, of, of new independent titles. And I think the lockdown has had two fundamental effects. One is a lot of people have made the magazine that they always wanted to make. but And while they weren't able to go out in the evenings or have a social life or do anything, they actually finally got around to making that magazine. And the other is that people are increasingly tired of their screens. And so, you know, we're busier than ever at the shop in terms of selling magazines. So, so the supply and demand is up. And so we're celebrating that. With the, with the live event this year. And, you know, you were saying, I think you've done some kind of uh, virtual events, like, like, like we all did, mm -hmm. but there is something quite special about, you know, meeting 
guests in real life again. I think that there is something special about it, right? And I have to say that Conway Hall, I've been there for your event. It, it looks like a, it's a wonderful place, actually. Well, it is like it's a little, it's like a village hall. It's, yeah. like it's in the right in the centre of London. Um, it's very, very cosy and relaxed, and it engenders a particular feel for the event, which we're very proud of. And that is, it's, it's a sort of a I sort of freeze a bit at the idea of networking, but they, you know, it's it's being together and 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 the the, the speakers mix with the audience and people can talk and and, and, and sort of share their passion for magazines. Um, and it's a very powerful thing. So I'm really excited to to be doing that back in real life. <laughs> Gives us a, a taster of the names mm-hmm. that will be there. Very sure. very good names uh, this well, year. Well, we've got. Um, I mean, so so we're really focusing on the indie sector this time. We always have a lot of independent publishers, but this time. We're looking at that. We a couple of weeks back, I I spent the day with Terry Jones, who's the founder of ID Magazine, and in many ways, that magazine is the kind of the the prototype for so many of today's indies. Insofar as it was a kind of passion project that developed into a business, but always retained that balance between the passion for what they were doing, whilst making it a successful business. And I spent a lovely day with him. He, he he's he's not happy to come into kind of a mixed busy environment post COVID. So we've made a documentary film with him, an interview, and, and looked around his archive, and it's a fabulous insight into what you know that he's been doing over what is forty years now of that magazine. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so we'll be showing that, and he'll be joining us for a, a live Q and A uh, on Zoom. So we, I mean, I think one of the interesting things that's happened over the lockdown is that we've got more accustomed to the virtual, so we can mix it up a little bit. So everything else will be live, but Terry will be on the screen. As you say, we've got um, the Crazy Stretch from The Guardian, which is probably the biggest print magazine launch in this country this year is, is, is the reinvention of their Saturday offering. Very excited to hear about that. And then we've also, at the other end of the scale, we've got a, a series of much smaller independents. We've got some of the big heroes like Kinfolk and, um, and, and its little sibling, Kindling, We've got MacGuffin, an old favourite of all of ours, and Kirsten's always a great speaker, and she's celebrating 10 issues. But then we've got Chutney, a new little risograph publication. We've got Paperboy, which is like... We did. David, we, come on. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and Louche, which is um, published by a drag king. Amazing. Uh, and they'll be appearing live in character as, as Georges Michael. And that's one thing I love checking, you know, my culture as well. I always discover a new title. Uh, I know it's not going to be on my culture, but uh, Viscose Journal as well. I thought it was a fascinating title. Yes. And, and, and you keep adding titles, and that, that, that's amazing. It, it, it looks quite busy. And, and Jeremy, how is it working these days? I know you have a wonderful shop, but is it kind of half online, half on the shop? Or, or tell me a little bit some of the stats, the ones you can share you know, with I'm, us. I'm, I'm always happy to share. I mean, the, the, <laughs> The problem is with the stats is they vary so much. So, mm. so obviously during the pandemic we had a lot of shutdowns where we couldn't open the shop and such like. We invested a lot of money in our online shop, so that's going really well. And it's probably it's gone from about a third online, two thirds in store, to probably about half and half. But it really varies. I mean, I mean, I was just looking. I, I was out of the office for a couple of days. I was looking at the stats, and, and it just like it's been really busy in the shop, and people want to come in and look, and that's a key part of what we do. Of course, it's the new retail space, looking and browsing. So it varies. It really varies. But but you know, satisfyingly, both the online sales and the in-store sales are both going up. So and maybe they complement each other. I think you shouldn't do, as you say, even with the event itself, you can mix. You can yeah, do a video absolutely. of Terry Jones if it's not comfortable. And I think that's that's the best way. It's not like yeah. just physical. Or just online, I think we can combine both things. Right? I think that's where people always get things wrong. Is is it's this either or? Which mm. are you? Are you digital? Or are you print? And actually, you know, none of the magazines we we champion and are featuring in the, in, 
in the shop and the events and stuff, none of them would exist without the internet. It's not either or. They, they, you, know, it's a, you need both. And I think it's the same with live events. And indeed, it is. It's like, I think our, our online shop is very strong now, but it's absolutely powered by the fact that we have a physical shop. And it's just a final cheeky question at the end, because I know we're in around kind of late October or whatever, but I'm sure Christmas will be busy for you as well. Because I, I was, you know, I even wrote a piece how kind of a subscription to give a magazine to someone could be one of the best gifts, mm-hmm. I think. It can be quite a thoughtful one. So, I mean, what, what do you expect for Christmas this year? Do you think there will be a lot of people buying magazines as a gift, not necessarily for themselves? Oh, well, we, well, I mean, experience shows we always get. I mean, people, we, we, we have a lot of visitors coming around Christmas saying, right, you know, I, this year I'm going to buy a present for all my family. So my father's into this, my sister likes this, and my mum does it. And so we, we, we help people find the things, the right things for the often quite awkward family members. <laughs> <laughs> love that, love that. Listen, Jeremy, as always, thank you so much. Pleasure. Always good to see you, Fernando. Thank you, Jeremy. And to buy tickets for Mac Culture Live, go to macculture.com. Well, that's it for this week's show. My thanks to our editor, Nora Hall. And if you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, we're back next Saturday at the same time. And of course, you can always listen to the show again at monaco.com and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Before we go, a little song for you. It's Muzi featuring Delcino Guerreiro with The Traveler. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. (laughs) 